Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Joining us once again to continue on with our monthly conversation on the emerging markets, I'm glad to welcome back to Top of the Morning, Alejo Zerwanko, the Chief Investment Officer for Emerging Markets Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Alejo, great to have you back here with us on the podcast and looking forward to our conversation. Welcome back. Always happy to be here, Dan. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So, Alejo, as I alluded to, you're joining us today to talk about your team's monthly investing in emerging markets. Flagship will dive into the publication a bit deeper here for our listeners, our clients. What jumped out at me, Alejo, is the title of this month's publication, that being Taking It Easier. Can you provide us with a bit of background on that choice of title? Absolutely, Dan. It's not just because we're in the middle of the summer and we're all trying to take it a little bit easier, but it alludes really to the fact that emerging market central banks might be about to cut interest rates before the Fed begins thinking about thinking about cutting interest rates. And if we take a step back, Dan, I think this is quite important since it wasn't really until the late 90s that central banks in the emerging world began adopting inflation-targeting regimes following the lead of several G10 central banks. As a reminder, inflation-targeting regimes are monetary policy frameworks in which central banks make public aid target inflation, and then they attempt to steer actual inflation towards that target, primarily via changes in policy interest rates. Um, this matters because it's been 25 years since they adopted inflation targeting regimes. And I think we're witnessing the coming of age of emerging market central banks. After the pandemic, many of them hiked policy rates early and aggressively to try to control inflation. And now, as I alluded to earlier, they seem ready to cut before the U.S. Federal Reserve begins contemplating the possibility of cutting. I think this independent decision-making, acting ahead of developed market peers, would have been just inconceivable a few years back. And it is a testament to their pretty hard-earned reputation. Let me give you an example, Dan. The, the poster child of this development is really the Brazilian central bank. Brazil began hiking interest rates a full year ahead of the U.S. Fed. Brazil brought policy rates to a pretty high level of 13.75%, kept them there for a full year, and may now decide to cut interest rates as early as August. Interestingly, Brazil is not alone. Smaller countries like Uruguay have already delivered cuts, and the markets are expecting many others to follow suit. I'm talking about Chile, Hungary, Colombia, Poland, Mexico. All of these central banks are priced in to cut within the next three, three to six months. Um, one uh, important consideration has to do that lower, with the fact that lower nominal interest rates, I don't think necessarily will translate into weaker emerging market currencies. Considering that in many of, of the emerging markets in our analysis, real or inflation-adjusted interest rates are increasing thanks to continued progress on their fight against inflation. In fact, Dan, 
I expect emerging market currencies to remain resilient even as, even as central banks cut, and in some cases even display some modest, modest appreciation versus the U.S. dollar. Well, Alejo, thank you for the context, the clarity with respect to the title. It makes sense, and as you pointed out, also coincides with the time of year. I just want to dig a bit deeper into the publication because you also describe that emerging markets are showing maturity in the realm of green, social, and sustainable financing. Can you take a few moments to expand on that for us? That's right, Dan. Look, I, I teach a class at Columbia University on, on the history of financial markets in, in developing economies, and we teach students about the Brady Plan, right? 35 years ago, the U.S. government orchestrated this plan to try to get many developing countries out of a, you know, downward spiral of debt restructuring after debt restructuring. Um, and, and this, this Brady plan was quite successful and it is considered as, uh, the, um, origination of, of emerging market bond markets, right? It's been 35 years. And, and it's this important because I think we're now, long time after that, approaching innovation stage where emerging markets are leading the way. And I highlighted this one example in the publication, the realm of green, social, and sustainable finance. I think, once again, an example might help illustrate Chile became the first country in the world to issue sustainability-linked bonds in 2022. Back then... Uh, they tied the issuance of the securities with targets and penalties related to the country's greenhouse gas emissions and its energy mix. Now, I think fascinatingly, this year, Chile came back to market with a novel issuance that incorporates targets around gender diversity, committing to ensure that by 2031, at least 40% of the board members of companies under the supervision of their financial regulator, are women. So, look, I, I'm sure you realize, Dan, that we are at a time of increasing sustainability challenges. And, of course, we've been talking about this in the podcast for a long time, scarcer global liquidity. So these innovations by emerging markets in the fixed income space, I think, allow countries to simultaneously tackle the sustainability challenges and the scarcer global liquidity challenges. So I'd expect other emerging markets to follow the footsteps of countries like Chile. So Alejo, of course, the big question is, what are the implications here for investors? Anything there you would like to highlight for us? Definitely. For starters, we maintain a constructive view on emerging market fixed income. Specifically, we keep U.S. dollar-denominated emerging market bonds as most preferred in our global strategy. Their performance has been quite good. In recent weeks, we saw their spreads against U.S. Treasury bonds compress, uh, and this has been led mostly by lower-rated high-yield segment. The valuation of emerging market bonds is now fair, I'd say, on aggregate. We may see additional spread compression if a U.S. soft landing scenario materializes, but in our baseline scenario, I think we should expect spreads to trend sideways from here through year-end. 
putting it all together down here, I'd expect mid to single, mid to high single digit total returns for the asset class from here through December, supported mostly that by carry. This is not a bad total return outlook and explains our most preferred recommendation. Um, moving on to equities, we also maintain the asset class as most preferred in global portfolios. When you look at manufacturing activities in emerging markets, they're in expansionary territory. The gap with developed markets has opened up further in recent weeks. Uh, as we discussed earlier, then, the likely easing of monetary policy by many emerging market central banks should also be positive for a number of equity markets in in the region. And finally, there's, there's valuations. Uh, on a relative basis, emerging market equities are cheap. Um, when you look at, for instance, price-to-earnings ratios at a almost 40% discount to the S&P 500, uh, when it comes to price-to-book basis, the discount is even deeper at almost 65%. Compare that to a 10-year average discount to the S&P 500 of 55%. Um, in our view, this gap, this valuation gap, does not factor in the better earnings and overall economic growth prospects for emerging markets in 2024 relative to developed markets. Of course, there's a number of risks to consider. A stronger-than-expected U.S. dollar, an uptick in geopolitical tensions, a very pronounced U.S. recession, or a slower-than-expected economic recovery out of China are key risks to our view. Well, Alejo, thank you very much for dropping by top of the morning to keep our listeners informed on CIOs thinking when it comes to the emerging markets, hitting on allocation as well as risk consideration. So as we're here at the midway point of 2023, many conversations ahead of us. So look forward to that before year end, though, Alejo, thank you for your time today and look forward to catching back up with you again next month. Thank you for having me. Have a great day, Dan. Likewise. Thank you, Alejo. Again, today we have been joined by Alejo Zerwanko, the Chief Investment Officer for Emerging Markets Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. As Alejo has been making reference to during our conversation today, you can now locate the latest Investing in Emerging Markets flagship publication from the team. That title, again, is Taking It Easier. The publication can now be located up on UBS.com slash CIO. For clients of UBS, be sure to reach out to your UBS financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of the publication directly. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer. 